1: Hi folks and welcome to episode 80 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Buschot and this is the show for April 2020. I am joined today by a fantastic panel, a good full panel and spread, well, geographically a few thousand miles apart. That's pretty good. Um, So joining me from the far side of the Atlantic Ocean, we have Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices back with us for the first time in a while. Chuck, delightful to hear your voice.
2: Bart, it's great to be back. I've I've missed it. I've really missed it.
1: Well, good. And as you you were kind enough to have me on your show recently, and I had so much fun. And if people wonder what I look like, I I generally avoid video shows, but you you managed to talk me into it. You're one of only two people who do. So you can see what I look like when I haven't been able to get to a hairdresser in some time.
2: Ah, oh, Bart, I think I think you look rather dashing.
1: Yeah, it's been two weeks since the the dashing look is <laughs> is degrading <laughs> rapidly. But I, I bought a hand mirror, and I have hair trimmers. And the internet tells me it's easy to cut your own hair. So after this call, I'm about to put that theory to the test, and then I may be off video podcasting for some time. <laughs>
3: I'll give you I'll give you a hint, but it's only um it's only easy to cut your own hair with clippers if you do a number one or a number two. Anything other than that, and you can find yourself in big trouble.
1: Well, oh, good, because my normal routine is a number two everywhere, beard and head. It's just it's all the same. It's a number two everywhere, from chin to that, tip of head. That's not too difficult. Oh, good. Um, joining me then from the opposite side, from the island of England, Scotland and Wales, we have three wonderful panellists in no particular order. We have Gaz Mas from the MyMac podcast back for the first time in a while. Gaz, delightful to have you. It's good to be back
0: on, Uh, yeah, it has been a little while, just uh, timings, that's all it is, timings.
1: It is difficult to line up schedules, it really is. And you would think it would get easier in these strange times, but uh, no, I work in IT and my workload has not gone down. It has in fact gone quite up because when you're used to delivering exams to students where they walk into a giant big room huddle closely together and sit there for many hours and then you can't, it makes a little bit of work for IT. To put it mildly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we have a pair of regulars who together are part of the Essential Apple Podcast. I am happy to welcome both Nick and Simon back. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. And I have to say we're we're being a little bit incestuous here at the MyMac Podcasting Network because everyone apart from poor Chuck uh, is out from MyMac shows. But hey, so be it. Um, I'm not I'm not at all upset. No, Which means you get the special attention, right? Because your your Mac voice is special. It's different. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Before we get stuck into our four main stories of the month, um, I'm just going to do a quick rundown of some follow-ups. And I have decided that, for the most part, I'm going to keep the COVID news in the follow-up section. And really, what I'm trying to go for here is just... Stand back, rattle through the month's news so we get a big, big, big picture view of what's been going on, sort of the climate rather than the weather. And then if at the end of the big rattle through, anyone would like, anyone feels strongly that there's certain highlights we should pick up on, I'll throw it open and we can pick out our favourite pieces. I will say that the uh, exposure notification API is one of our main stories, so we'll keep that one in reserve for later. So in approximately chronological order, chronological as in the order they were in my RSS feed. I didn't check the date of every story, but they're approximately chronological. Apple stores and offices in the US will not reopen until May amid coronavirus pandemic. Apple will battle COVID-19 by designing and making millions of medical face shields. Apple shares face shield design and assembly instructions on their support site. Apple's COVID 19 app updated with state specific info and self care tips. Apple tweaks maps to prominently feature hospitals, food delivery, and more. Apple announces $50 million royalty advance fund for independent labels. Apple adds 3% daily cash back to physical Apple card at Walgreens drive-thru. So initially Apple had been trying to discourage the physical card. Now they're trying to encourage you to use the card to go through drive throughs so you don't go into actual places with human beings and stuff. Apple have updated maps to... uh, Oh, that's a duplicate of my previous story. Um... Apple donates uh, ten million dollars to One World Together at Home benefit event. Apple is now redirecting their product red purchases to COVID nineteen relief fund. Apple is hiring a thousand interns this summer despite the pandemic. I'm not entirely sure how that'll work. Uh, Foxconn is enforcing strict measures to keep iPhone manufacturing on track. Apple partners with Stanford to create another COVID nineteen app. Apple is making some Apple TV Plus series available for free for a limited time. Apple has created iPad based at home learning program for kids, which is it says here for kids enduring lockdowns. I think it's more for the parents. Um, But anyway, it's good for Apple to do that. Apple have also changed their Today at Apple to Today at Home. And they have a bunch of new segments and they're updating them weekly, actually, for various creative pros, helping you get the most of your Apple tech while you're cooped up. So that's, again, nice, nice to see Apple do that. Apple, Verizon and T-Mobile CEOs are all named as part of the US Economic Revival Group. Um, I'm not entirely sure if anyone actually asked them. I think Donald Trump just got up on a podium and said they're in. But anyway, Apple will reopen its sole store on Saturday, the 18th of April. So that is now in the past. That is the first store to reopen outside of China. Tim Cook remains optimistic about Apple's future at a company-wide meeting that was done online. Apple partners with Rogers to bring 21,000 iPads to students in Ontario, uh, help them study from home. Tim Cook was named to a California task force focused on economic recovery. 160,000 of Apple's face shields that we mentioned earlier have arrived in Los Angeles. Apple shares instructions on how to make... That's a duplicate again, I should tweak my show notes. Apple hosted an entirely online live session to teach developers about accessibility, and everyone agrees that this is probably Apple experimenting on how they can do their entirely online version of WWDC in a few months or a few weeks at this stage of time. So that uh, that was an interesting little um, preview. Uh, Big Night In, Tim Cook announces support for BBC coronavirus fundraising efforts. Apple Retail Head expects many more stores to reopen in May. That's a vague term, but okay. Uh, You can now search for COVID-19 testing locations in Apple Maps. That appears to be a US-only thing, as much as I can figure out. What I know for a fact is it's not an Ireland thing. Um, I don't have the buttons on my iPhone that the the, uh, screenshots show. Upcoming parts and rec reunion filmed on iPhones, because they're obviously not filming it in a studio. Um, iOS 13.5 will skip face ID if your iPhone sees you're wearing a mask. Thank you, Apple. It is so annoying to go grocery shopping with my grocery list on my phone and have to wait for it to fail to recognize me before it lets me type in my password. Uh, Tim Cook says Apple stores in Austria. Tria and Australia will reopen next week. Apple has sourced 30 million masks and 7.5 million face shields. Apple's COVID-19 app has been updated with CDC symptoms and mask care tips. Apple have extended their Apple Card payment deferral through May. And last, but by no means least, Tim Cook has delivered his uh, commencement address to Ohio State University virtually. The video has been posted to YouTube it's about seven and a half minutes long and you know something after all the scary COVID news it's a really good speech whether he wrote it or whether his speech writers wrote it it's actually really good and I would highly recommend people give it a listen anything there anyone would like to draw our attention to completely frivolously the, um,
4: the news about the uh, Apple, Verizon, T-Mobile um, CEO, CEOs all being named on the U.S. Economic Revival Groups sounds a little bit like the bands getting back together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, was- I feel like I feel like the Apple Card uh, story is important. Uh, whether you're using physical Apple Card, whether you're using your your phone or your watch, I mean, this seems like the perfect time to really promote touch was uh,
1: payments. Yeah, Ireland have actually yeah. a really good thing. The Irish banks did about one week into this whole lockdown is they increased the limit for contactless. Uh, they doubled it, I believe. Um, and on Apple Card, because it uses or an Apple Pay because you use biometrics, um, they've actually taken the limit off in most stores. So I've now touched to pay like 120 euro grocery bills and stuff, and it is. Such a pleasure to be able to just tap your watch and bugger off instead of having to faff around and look for your wallet and yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff and handing over things. It's yeah, little things make a big difference, I think.
2: Yeah, I wish here in the US I mean, unfortunately the, the, the credit card terminals still you still have to to acknowledge certain things with your theoretically your finger or your your knuckle or whatever. Really? But yeah, you still have to, you know, is this the correct amount? Push the red button or the green button? So you oh, wow. still have that issue. But anything that cuts down on the touches is, is, you know, as as far as I'm concerned, a, a very positive thing.
1: Chuck, I can honestly say, in the last three weeks since we've got into full lockdown, I have opened my wallet exactly once because my pharmacy has a really old terminal and it can't handle Apple. It can't Apple touch the to pay above the fifty euro limit. And I have not touched a single terminal physically apart from that one time in the pharmacy when I had to put my pin in. And my wallet has been completely unopened apart from that one time. And I have done all of my shopping for the past three weeks and everything was just tap, wave watch vaguely near terminal and touch nothing.
2: I like the fact as
1: well that,
4: of course, you turn your wrist upside down. Well, if you wear your watch like me, Mm -hmm with the face up on on the back of your wrist that you're turning your hand up the other way to actually scan it so you're keeping your hand well away from touching
1: anything (laughs) that's a good point actually you're right it's a really pleasing gesture to have yeah the back of the hand (laughs) yeah i mean during the
4: lockdown i've just stopped taking my wallet out altogether i just suddenly don't really need it
1: i have it with me in case because my absolute like the most stressful thing in my week is grocery shopping um, because I have the luxury of being able to work from home. And yeah. the, the thought, so I'm shopping as little as possible, but that means I have a lot. And just the thought of getting through the whole hassle of shopping, having had to queue to get into the bloody place and then having to social distance. And there are some people who are just really inconsiderate. You finally yeah. get to the checkout. The thought of Apple Pay not working and me having to put all of that chopping back and start over again the next day is just so petrifying that I just will not leave without my wallet just in case. But yeah, I have only... I can understand adults. that. Yeah. Um, I, I, the only thing I'm going to sort of focus on, I think, is big picture-wise, Apple continues to walk and chew gum, right? As we're going to talk about in the main stories, Apple are continuing to do the normal Apple things. And... Apple are also reacting very proactively to the crisis both in very practical ways and in very socially conscious ways. Um, So I kind of like the fact that Tim Cook's Apple is versatile enough to be able to be both a very good citizen and a very good Apple at the same time. Yeah that's good. Okay, unless anyone else wants to chip in, we have a few more small pieces of follow-up. Next up, we talked last time about the new iPads Pro coming out and the new iPad OS update with keyboards and trackpad support, more importantly. Uh, There was some debate at the time, does or does not the new iPad Pro have a U1 ultra-wideband chip? It was not mentioned in Apple's materials, but there was a theory it was in there anyway. Well, that theory was wrong. It's not in there. I fixed it, have taken the whole thing apart, had a good old poke around, no sign of it whatsoever. John Gruber asked some of his little birdies, and his little birdies were like, No, no, the reason that you don't find it in the teardown is because it's not in there. So, no, you won in the iPads Pro. We also thought that the A12Z was basically an A12X with one extra GPU core added to go from an X to a Z. Yup. That's that's what it is. And finally, Logitech have released their magic keyboard alternative for the iPad. It's basically a way less highfalutin and way cheaper keyboardy thing for the Mac Pros now that the iPad is a good citizen with keyboards and trackpads and things. Um and other little follow-ups? Actually before we go too much further, anyone on the panel own one of these new iPads? Or one of these. Actually, no, if you hold one of the keyboards, just let me know and we'll talk about it later. Does anyone
2: right now? Yeah. No.
1: no, no. Yeah, I I wasn't gonna jump for the price of an actual iPad to add a keyboard to my iPad. Cause the iPad nothing costs about the same as the, the, the keyboard case. But yeah. anyway. Exactly. Um We talked a while ago that Apple were beta-ing a web-based version of Apple Music. Well, it is beta no more. It is now out for reals. So if you're an Apple Music subscriber, enjoy. I have to say one of the things I am most happy... I I did it at Christmas time as a little treat to myself. I thought I'm going to buy myself Apple Music for a year and see if I like it. My sanity has been helped so much by the fact that I'm now an Apple Music subscriber because... I find it really hard to work in total silence, like in, in the office we're open plan so there's always be white noise and I can work in white noise, but at home it was just silent and all I could hear was like every little noise of, you know, you know the, the, the central heating in the attic or every little thing and it was driving me completely potty. Um, and then someone suggested that Baroque music was the best music to work to. And I have now discovered that Schumann, Handel, Thalle, Bach, these guys are superb to listen to. And I now know I'm a fan of the harpsichord. Who knew?
4: Jolly good. Sh- uh, Schumann, by the way, is romantic, not uh, Baroque. But oh,
1: well, Apple I'll, Music. I'll, you... I'll, let, I'll let you off. Well, Somebody needs <laughs> to tell Apple Music. Well, actually, no, I searched for Baroque. I clicked on Baroque Essentials. And then halfway in, I clicked on a suggested listening. So that doesn't mean it was Barack. Uh, okay. Ah, yeah. uh, right, okay. I didn't get there through Barack. Um, I think it was from Handel to Schumann. But anyway, uh, harpsichord definitely. I didn't realize harpsichord was such a cool instrument. But I'm really enjoying harpsichord music to work to. Anyway, finally, finally, in the follow up section, we talked last time about Apple buying my favorite weather app, Dark Sky. That obviously is great for people like us who are Apple users, but it's not so great for everyone else. Uh, but Climacell are trying to basically do what Dark Sky did uh, as an alternative API for all of those other apps that were relying on Dark Sky's API, which is going away. So, anything else anyone wants to jump in on before I take a set of follow up into real stuff?
3: Grant. Uh... No, the only, the only thing I will say which is actually backtracking slightly. The uh-huh. um, the mask thing in the new beta,
2: uh-huh.
3: um, I I tried it and it it does work. Basically, instead of attempting to recognise your face and then saying uh, you know face ID failed and then saying do you want to enter your PIN, it simply um, brings up the brings up the enter your passcode immediately.
1: That's exactly what I want. Actually, no, that's one of exactly what I want. If I had my way, if I had a magic wand, I would add a button that said unlock for 15 minutes. And then automatically, actually, no, even better, unlock until I leave this location.
3: Um, I think you can adjust the time before it locks, can't
1: you? Yeah, but that's a permanent change, change? right? What I mean is at the point I enter the grocery store, I... Go in and I hit a single button that makes a one-off change that will automatically revert so I can't forget and just disable oh, yeah. my passcode yeah. for say ideal would be disable passcode until I leave this location that would be absolutely ideal because once I leave the grocery store I would like security again but while I'm in the grocery store just let me pick up the phone see my shopping list and get the yeah. Donald Duck out of there
2: couldn't you set up and uh, couldn't you set up a, a shortcut? That would geofence sort of in reverse and say, and and once you set it to be, once you're in the location, can't you geofence it to say, turn turn off once I leave? I'm trying to think through this as I talk.
1: I'm just, but, you're right with the concept that the geofencing bit can definitely be done with uh, shortcuts, but I don't know if there is a shortcut for controlling the security settings in your phone because they have extra authentication in front of them.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that part. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, because definitely you're right. You can do cool stuff with geofencing in shortcuts. So for stuff like remind me when I leave uh, or do this thing when I leave, you can definitely do that kind of thing. Uh, which yeah, reverse geofence is a good description of it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think shortcuts has the power to change your security settings, which is kind of what I want. Anyway. No notable numbers that I thought worthy of mentioning. Uh, Legal latest, just two quick stories I'll briefly mention. Uh, That Apple lawyer they fired last year for insider trading has come up with a very novel defence for his rather scummy actions, in my opinion. Apparently, it's unconstitutional to charge people for insider trading now. This is quite a surprise to most lawyers. We'll see how that one pans out. (laughs) Um, And Apple have agreed to pay $18 for, quote unquote, breaking FaceTime on older iPhones. This dates all the way back to 2013 when Apple lost a patent case. And they basically decided it was just cheaper to not use the old way of doing things um, and to switch to a new way of doing things instead of paying for the license. And rather than backporting the new way to older iOS devices, they simply disabled it for older iOS devices. So they've decided to compensate people $18 million, which sounds great until I heard Ken Ray breaking down how this works. Half the money goes to the lawyers. Of the rest, everyone in the class gets about $3. $3! $3. Woo,
3: don't spend it all at once, folks.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of made me a bit sad. So anyway, HR and acquisition news. Apple has acquired Irish AI startup Voices. They are involved in speech synthesis. Again, I can see why Apple might want to buy them. Not that Apple said that, of course, but you can see the logic. Uh, And Apple are having a bit of musical chairs in their music section. Top Apple Music Exec leaves for Atlantic Records. Meanwhile, head of Apple Music is taking over the Beats headphone business. So I guess there's two rather important vacancies uh, open in the Apple Music section if anyone wants to apply. And finally, before we get into the meat and bones of the month's news, just as a reminder to everyone... I know nothing about entertainment. This is not an entertainment podcast. I don't want to become an expert on entertainment. If you want podcasts on entertainment, there are many of them. However, I do just want to briefly run through what Apple have been up to in the entertainment space because, well, it's kind of important to Apple as a company. So here's what happened in April. The Mowgli's join Apple TV Plus's Helpsters for a new song. Apple TV Plus's Home and Earth Day documentary are now available. Apple TV Plus brings back Fraggle Rock, which made me so happy. I was such a fan of Fraggle Rock as a kid. Um, Apple has ordered a comedy series, The Shrink Next Door, with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. Defending Jacob, starring Chris Evans, is now available. Uh, Shaggy is the latest star to join the Apple TV Plus characters, The Helpsters. So The Helpsters really are getting a lot of celebrity pop-ins. Uh, the first of their British shows, Trying, has arrived on Apple TV+. And the Desperate Housewives producer, Annie Weissman, has signed the two-year deal to make content for Apple TV+. Plus. So that's, even though there's obviously no filming going on, there's still plenty going on in terms of Apple TV+. Anyone want to comment on any of that, or are we happy to move on? Hmm? No, I don't
3: think we've got anything to say, did we? It's all...
2: Yeah, most of it speaks for itself, I think. Perfect. I'm still, I'm still not
4: convinced that I'll, uh, I'll subscribe at the end of three <laughs> year. So they haven't if, had
1: anything right, yet. Normal, which I've said, wow. If, if normal production had continued, if if it hadn't been that all other shows are on hiatus now, I think I would have probably continued just to get the next series of For All Mankind. That that alternative reality that just hooked me like i hook line and sinker i completely got sucked into that um and the 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 post-credit sequence in the last episode was just like oh it made me so want more and now obviously all suspended because uh, you, you can't film a tv show in the midst of a of an epidemic so or a pandemic so yeah Okay, we have four main stories for this month. Um, We will first be uh, looking at Apple and Google's uh, API for um, exposure tracing for the pandemic. Then we will move on to Apple's Q2 2020 earnings call. And then we'll end the show having taken care of all the scary virusy stuff with the fun hardware stuff. So, Apple's magic keyboard has gone from being something we could read about to something people could get their physical hands on. And then Apple have finally launched, not well, finally is not a fair thing to say, Apple have launched the iPhone SE, which we have been hearing rumors about for really quite some time. So let's get stuck into main story number the first. Apple and Google have joined forces to develop a privacy preserving iOS and Android API that public health agencies can use to create apps to help track COVID-19 and warn people that may have been exposed. It's a really long way of saying that Apple and Google have made an API which is distributed as in it's there's, there's no central server that everything is being sent to and the central server is then applying logic and the central server is then telling people what's happened. It's a distributed system. So every device is sending out ephemeral, randomly generated keys that are not tied to a person or a phone and Every phone that comes into Bluetooth range of an appropriate signal strength for an appropriate amount of time, you just store the key. So it's this random glop and you just store it for 14 days. And everyone who's taking part is doing that all the time. And if you get diagnosed, your phone knows all of its random keys and you then, using the app that your public health system has created and your public health system will verify that you genuinely are infected, that you're not being a malicious person spreading chaos, your public health agency will then publish the keys that you were emitting, and then everyone who's taking part, their phones can check to see if the stuff they stored in the last 14 days matches the stuff the Public Health Authority has issued as these are known infected keys. And then you will know whether or not you need to go get a test and or self-isolate. So... The people running the service have no idea who has been infected. I'm sorry, who has been in contact with the infected people. And it means that you can turn this on without giving your location away to your government. And it's, it's clever enough that it cycles the keys in the same cadence as the cycling of the random MAC addresses used for Bluetooth. So you just can't do any sort of tracking and tracing with it. It's extremely cleverly put together. Um, oh, sorry it's getting yeah, can you hear me now? I can hear you now, guys, good uh, yes, we were having right. We' were having some uh issues with our voice. I was I was on but you're back uh, yes, good. so
0: very pertinent comments in the last three sections, and nobody heard me. Well, oh I, no, that's what I'm saying. They made <laughs> a pertinent question uh, comment well, com-
1: Honestly, guys, if if you want to chime in with anything, no, no, yes, no,
0: it's all right. I have been chime in, but I've had my might locally, so don't worry about it. Okay. We'll carry on. Um,
1: so I that's a that's a sort of my top level description. There's links in the show notes to more detailed descriptions about how all this stuff actually works. And then, of course, the big question is that each country has to decide what they want to do. And some countries are on board with Apple and Google's approach. Um, Ireland joined that list yesterday. Uh, Canada haven't made up their mind yet the UK has decided they want centralised France really isn't happy with Apple at all Germany was on France's side and then changed their mind so they're they're actually on board with the um, distributed approach and in the US the CDC has issued guidance which is compatible with Apple and Google's approach but doesn't tell states they should use Apple and Google they're just, it's compatible and also in the US senators are proposing a privacy bill related to COVID-19 data so to be clear,
0: um, but is Apple and Google not creating, but they are creating the API to create a localised application?
1: Correct. So this isn't like a global system for tracking everyone. It's going to be up to every country, every jurisdiction. So in the States, I think that'll be the States individually. I think each state does their own thing. In Ireland, it's the national government. Um, and in the UK, I think the NHS are who do apps. Yeah. Um, But that means that the actual practicalities in terms of how do you prove that you really are positive so that you're not basically trolling half the country, Mm. uh, that's all up to your local health authority to figure out. And so all sorts of schemes have been proposed, like you could be given the QR code to scan, which verifies that you really have got a positive diagnosis. Maybe when you get it in the post, there's a QR code on it. All sorts of things, or maybe you tell the government some sort of code the app gives you and they publish the stuff for you. I mean, it's really up to the developers of the app how user friendly they make it. What the API does is ensure that the the hard part of figuring out who you've been in touch with is done securely and safely. Yep. So, what are people's thoughts in general on this?
2: I think it's interesting that that you have Apple, who has doubled down on privacy on so many occasions. Partners with Google who hasn't don't seem to double down on privacy at all, mm-hmm. and you know, and I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this. Any any the way this is going to be created, I mean, it sounds like they're doing their very best to preserve privacy. But at the end of the day, uh, I just have a feeling that sooner or later somebody's going to figure out a way to hack this, and then the internet's going to melt down. Because they're going to be so upset over everything. And, you know, on the other hand, I'm, 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 I'm pushing, starting to push toward that camp of is it reasonable for us to give up a, just a little bit of privacy in order to stop uh, or help prevent people from getting sick in order to save lives? I, I, I don't know. I've, I honestly don't know how I feel about this because I've, I feel like I need to see the final implementation and then let the hackers beat on it for a little while before I endorse or condemn.
1: And I think it's going to be a different answer in different countries, right? But because the stuff around the API is going to be different country to country, that may actually color individual decisions because it's entirely conceivable that a government could write their app using Apple's API and then add into the app, not using Apple's API, some code that just spits all the geolocation data back to their central server. Right? True. True. So it, it is going to come down to every, you know, so the California app may be super and the Texas app may be a train wreck and the Irish app may be superb and the Polish app may be a disaster. Like, it's not even that the API may turn out to be good or bad. I I think the crypto on it, it's been developed in the open and serious cryptographers have beaten on the crypto. It appears to be genuinely properly designed cryptographically. So if you're using the right cryptographic primitives, it's. I think we can be fairly yeah. confident the API is okay, but that's not the full question. So we're we're still in this difficult decision that you you described so well, Chuck. How do I balance my desire to help the public good by giving up something of value against my desire to maintain my privacy?
4: Well, I mean well, the, the UK, the UK yeah, have sorry, said the... quite clearly that that they want to be able to track and trace. So that they want to be able to see where people are getting infected, which I believe the API isn't supporting. Is that right?
1: That is correct. The API only tells you proximity to random keys. It doesn't tell you where you were or anything. It just says, for so long with the signal strength, you were near this other random ID. Yeah,
4: and while I can see that that's for security, that's absolutely the way to go, I can understand why... Some countries are saying, "No, hold on a minute. We we need more information than this. We need we need to be able to see where people are, so that we know where there are hotspots." I mean, the the UK government's already started to talk about potential hotspots where it might be that a certain area starts to flare up again with COVID nineteen, and and they want to be able to see that. Whether whether an app will help them do that is debatable.
1: Well, right, because you would imagine that other sim- signals for that might be hospital admissions.
4: Yes, I think the idea is that the app will give them more granularity, as it were. But Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, if you think about it from the point of view of, of the government, right, you have epidemiologists and doctors who want all the information they can get so they can give the most fact-based advice to the government. And the government yes. wants the most fact-based advice so that they do as little as possible economic damage without destroying their healthcare system. And on the other hand, I think, none of this works if the app doesn't have at least 60% uptake. So if you scare the pants off everyone by making it too big brother, it fails. And if you don't collect enough information, it's useless. So you're left yeah. as a government really juggling here, right? What will our population accept? Unless you're I'm, not that,
4: I'm, not, I'm not convinced they're giving clear indications of what they'll do with the data once, <laughs> once they've analysed it. Exactly. Um, I, I, I mean, don't think they're giving any clear indications of how long they're going to keep the information and that kind of thing.
3: No, or,
2: this, or how long the program is going to go.
3: Precisely. Yeah. The, the, the as I see it, and Bart has just pointed out the the Google Apple API is designed with rotating random keys, which key. Keeps track of how many people you've been close to, and I believe it measures blocks of five minutes at a time.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's five-minute time chunks of exposure and the signal strength, so that you have some sort of way of knowing how how close you were well, for how long.
3: Yeah. So, uh, but it it does not contain any location data or anything else. Only a, a, a contact of phones that have been near each other, and that is you know used to. Oh, I've been exposed. I signal that I've been exposed. All the people who've been near me for, let's say, more than five minutes um, and then get a notification that you have been near somebody who has been diagnosed as positive. Perhaps you should go and get tested. Um, The problem becomes, as you're saying, because the people who want to have a more centralised system, like the British government... Um, They want also to have location data and people are antsy about that. And they're not only antsy about it because they don't like the government knowing where they're going, whether they have anything to hide or not. Just, you know, people don't like it. It feels very 1984. The other problem is that if you put it in a centralized database, who has got hold of this database? How easy is it to get hacked? How long will it be stored? Who will have access to it? As Chuck said, when will they shut the program down? Um, There's no transparency. And uh, I, for one, I'm afraid at the moment, the NHS app is, uh, I'm not going near it with a barge pole. I might be tinfoil-hatted, but um, yeah, The the thing
1: is, uh, I think you're being very reasonable because I think you're right. There is no, they should be doing everything to inspire confidence, and they're not. And if they don't get 60% of people to use it, they've wasted everyone's time.
3: No, on I the mean, other hand, um, um, uh, sorry, yeah, at the minute, um, Germany has flipped over to saying we'll go decentralized, Switzerland, Estonia, um, as you say, uh, air, uh, some other country, also the um, what are they call D3TP or something, but anyway, the pan-European uh, group are suggesting that everybody should use decentralized systems, um, uh, the NHS and France are Yeah, in Europe they're the
1: two big outliers Germany were on that camp and Germany have done a U-turn but really in Europe it's come down to everyone thinks decentralized except for the UK and France
3: Yeah, basically and uh, I, I think they're parking up the wrong tree because I just don't think people are going to go for it or at least a large percentage of people like us are not going to go anywhere near it, it's just yeah. far too Well, it's far too big brother for my liking and not enough transparency about how or what they're going to do with it.
4: Yeah, trying to not be too tinfoil hat about it. Um, How how useful would the information be? I mean, I don't know. The trouble is we don't know all the information they'll be collecting, do we? Um, But say, for instance, they collect who you've been near, what area you've been
0: in. How useful is that information to anyone
1: else yeah i'm a bit, well, a bit sorry guys go ahead
0: yeah, a bit concerned here that you know the, what they're trying to do is get down to the, the where, where both well almost everyone else's point is what are they going to do surely this is about finding where the trends are, and then you can put all your resources to sort a of, particular region or area you know even more localized if that's the they could get it down to um i totally agree with everyone else it, it, if they're tracking you why are they going to come and test me when I tell somebody well, to tell that i think i'm positive it i, I could equally exactly this in the nhs directly anyway and if they encourage enough people to do that that same information what are they when they see a trend in a particular that's that's the th- now they don't addresses that sort of information is going to be going through but people will definitely fall. hat they think they've got any idea that it's me that's putting that information it, 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 I, you're all absolutely right there is not anywhere near enough clarity on how this data and what they're doing with it how long they're keeping it for how long the here's a simple thing. If your battery starts dying on your phone application hasn't been written correctly, the first thing I'm going to do is shut that application down or, or turn it off.
1: Yeah. Just, just, actually, just to jump into the guys, because I, I think part of the problem is that what Apple and Google have come up with is not an API designed for governments to collect centralised data. It's an API designed for people to know they have been exposed. So it's an 180 degrees away from an app designed to collect central information. It's not designed to help governments make decisions, it's designed to help citizens know where they stand.
0: Absolutely. I'm really, I, I, I mean, where we sit, the central process um, I, I've said on this week's MIMAT that I really do understand why we are going against a tree which had really throw has done the best and we should be some of the
1: okay guys you for some reason your skype is a lot worse than everyone else's um and i should mention to the listeners that uh, due to a gardening accident i am on a 3g dongle uh it wasn't my gardening accident but anyway good weather bank holiday gardening done i now have no internet um, but Gaz, Gaz is cutting off there more than other people are unfortunately um...
0: but I think I, I I agree with you about the fact that the, um, Google are trying to do it so it's decentralised biggest issue I've got uh, living in the country that I live in we are trying to do a centralised process and that's obviously my angst work comes from, especially in, in uh, current environment. I've said, yeah, perhaps we've got to learn from those countries where they've done best practice, i.e. certainly in Europe, Germany, who have actually done this decent process. So uh, to pull all of this data in, and everybody, I agree with everyone, is that really concerned. Um, about what they're going to be doing with the data and how they're going to be utilising.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's only Gaz who's breaking up again. So, yeah, I think we're still having Skype issues, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to jump us on. Uh, actually, there's one more thing I need. I have in my show notes here. Um, so actually two more things. So there was a Washington Post poll that asked Americans if they'd be willing to use one of these apps. And unfortunately, they worded the question in such a way that do you, would you be happy to have Apple and Google monitor your location? Whereas in actual fact, it would be your local health authority, not Apple and Google. They just wrote the API so that the, the poll is meaningless because the question is wrong. Um, and then also those charming people in Celebrite decided that uh, they could throw their hat in the ring here and suggest that you governments use their hacking tools to spy on everyone as a solution to COVID
4: nineteen. Oh, yay! Because oh, yeah, we all trust them, don't
1: we? Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? But yeah, you got to admire their yeah. outspur. Uh,
3: that's asking the fox to look after the chicken coop, surely?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah the one The one thing though that i I keep trying to remind everyone about is that if you are if you have an iPhone on you, if you have an Android phone on you, you're being tracked. i mean that's that that's just that's the simple fact of the matter. You already are being tracked everywhere you go, and you know the the only thing this would seem to add is what your physical proximity is going to be to other people. And I'm not even sure that some of that couldn't be done with the appropriate amount of computing power and you know, a little collaboration from folks. But right. that's why I guess I – that's why I feel so so conflicted here because part of me says I'm already being tracked mm-hmm. for my benefit. I mean, Bart, you were saying – we were talking about Apple Card earlier. Every time you use any credit card, you know, right. not only do they know where you are but they know what you bought. And so, and the same thing, you know, if unless you're using a VPN, and even then, I'm not convinced that VPNs are, you know, 100% guarantee your your anonymity uh, and online. Well, it's a free so, VPN,
1: Chuck, because if you're not paying for it, you know you're paying for it the well, other way.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and even some of the uh, pay for VPNs have gotten caught with their pants down on this issue. So, you know, th- that's where it's like, am I? Uh, my per the perception is I'm giving up my anonymity or some some more an- anonymity, and at some point it's like, is it enough to justify, not doing it and potentially saving lives, mine or somebody else that I care about, or maybe some people I don't care about. Yeah, but still. So, so for me, Chuck, you've you've got no conflict
0: because what you be told, with all of that scenario, in terms of being tracked already, in terms of where you're out buying and and purchasing stuff, um, uh, benefits and benefit to the rest of society it should mean that you just you don't have any about going with this. Um, I, I I mean that's, that's tongue in cheek, back a little bit.
2: Yeah. Oh. oh, oh <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know. I know, Gaz. I mean, there at a, at a gut level, um, I mean, that's the intellect part. The, the you know the yeah. gut level is saying, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just it's one more erosion of my privacy, and I've not that I'm doing anything nefarious, um, at least not right at the moment, um, you know, that that it just doesn't feel like it's a good thing, but. Yeah, th- this may be one of those yeah, I, almost like like traffic laws. You know, okay, so I could get someplace a lot faster if I didn't have to obey red, stop signs and red lights. Yeah, but for my safety and the safety of everyone else, I've got to obey those laws and and give up something. So maybe it's time now to give up a little.
0: Yeah, but those stop signs down to you. You're not being watched every minute of every day. don't obey those those.
1: Well, you probably are with with, uh, automated cameras and stuff these days. Um, Just to say, this API from Apple and Google, the chances are if you're using it, it is the least privacy-invading app on your device because if you use Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter, all of those are (laughs) way more privacy-invading than this API. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Fair point. I don't have a problem with the Apple uh, API, and to some extent, I don't have a problem with what chuck says you know there's a certain amount of civic responsibility my problem is i don't trust the uk government not to <laughs> hive off the database to some dodgy <clears throat> cheapest contractor who get hacked in five minutes and everybody's data gets sold on the dark web well the,
1: you've hit the on the head right everyone has to trust not the api well they, okay they have to trust the api too but that has been that's pretty good cryptographically. That's been fairly well vetted. Everyone has to trust the makers of the app on top of the API, yeah. which means that the decision you make and the decision I make are going to be based on really different inputs. I
4: think that um, we perhaps wouldn't be quite so wary of of these things if it weren't for the fact that there are certain um, individuals and bodies have been trying to erode our privacy for. Well, a long time
1: now. <laughs> yeah, and we everyone's afraid. All the time. You know, the old adage, don't let a good crisis go I to waste. What, what a crisis.
3: Yeah, I think what a lot of <laughs> yeah. people who are probably more tinfoil-hatted than me, and I'm fairly tinfoil-hatted, is worried about, is not so much during this crisis, but what happens to all this stuff afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, folks, I'm going to move us on because we have other main stories. Um Next up, we have the earnings call, and Linda couldn't join us this month, even though I love having Linda on when we have earnings calls, but Linda was very kind and sent me an email, so I didn't have to do nearly as much thinking as I would have had to do otherwise, because Linda's done it all for me, as, as she so wonderfully does. So uh, I'm going to immediately... OK, so Apple did their Q2 earnings call on the 30th of April. Um, so immediately from Linda I have, here are a couple of things I thought interesting. One... One of the analysts commented on Apple's contributions to the effort Apple has put into the fighting COVID-19. That's unusual in my experience. They usually limit themselves to financial commentary and/or questions. Two, as you know, market hates uncertainty. And we all have these days is, all we have these days is uncertainty. with Apple being no different in that respect to any other company, economists and other financial types will make guesses. But well, most folks admit they really don't know how long it's going to take to recover from this situation from a health perspective, let alone economically. Three, that said, Apple, because of its cash cash position, i.e. they have lots of it, it's, sorry, it's me editorialising, uh, and perhaps because of the services business and maybe wearables due to health aspects of watch, is in a lot better shape than most other companies. Barring something totally extreme and unpredicted, Apple will weather this storm just fine and the stock is likely to do better than most others. For, for what it's worth, analysts do not expect Apple to do stock buybacks in this environment, perhaps because it can be politically frowned on these days and also because holding on to cash might be especially prudent now. The fact that Apple did announce stock buybacks, though, is interpreted as management's and the BOD's board of directors. Confidence in the company's ability to come through the current situation just fine. Also, for what it's worth, years ago, I remember Steve Jobs saying in other very difficult circumstances something to the effect of we will continue to invest through these difficulties, meaning continue to develop excellent research and development and produce excellent products. I don't remember if that was the dot com bust in 2001 or the 2008 fiasco. I think I remember it happening too, uh, Linda, and I think it was 2008. Uh, What's important is that that part of the company culture has not changed. Investors can expect the same excellent performance from the stock. And then uh, also added after that, I don't have much to say about the numbers. They were better than expected, but the market will and has moved on to the future. The fact that Apple did not provide guidance for the next quarter is a negative, but hardly unusual in these circumstances. The market almost always prices stock on what they expect to be the case six months to a year in the future, So the results for this past quarter are not considered important. And of course, nothing is certain right now. So thank you, Linda, for emailing me that in. That was extremely illuminating and useful. Um, Apple basically managed to have a pretty steady quarter, uh, despite the fact that the whole world is in meltdown around them. Um, So that's kind of interesting to be able to hold your own. Uh, 58 billion in revenue, but no guidance for next quarter usual stuff in the show notes links to transcript etc um on the whole services did well apple care and ads are the worst affected and ipad downloads are way way up for the first time since 2013 um anyone have any thoughts
3: only that they did remarkably well i think um when we talked about this yesterday, we were wondering how big an effect the closure of the stores has had. And um, <clears throat> I think from the figures, it would appear that it hasn't made a huge impact on, on the bigger ticket items. So if you want to buy you know, a new Mac or a new iPhone, you just go online and order one. Where it's probably... Made made a dent is in the in the kind of peripherals, you know, because if you go into an Apple store and buy yourself a Mac, you're quite likely to also come out with maybe a watch strap or a a case or you know some other um, Bits peripherals. And yeah, and it's also of course a lot easier for Apple to convince you to take either um, Apple Care or to upsell you in person than it is on the web because when you you know, when you're ordering from the Apple store direct, you simply go, Well, that's what I want. You put it in and it says, Do you want Apple Care? Yes or no? And if you say no, there's nobody there sort of whispering in your ear are you really sure you don't want to take Apple Care, sir? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that was our our biggest thought, to be honest. Um But even so, they've done incredibly well, I think. It would appear that people have not been I mean, Tim did say that he thought that the stimulus package in the US and, um, of course, working from home has encouraged people to possibly go out and either update or buy new hardware.
1: Well, the iPad seems to be benefiting most of all. Uh, you know, the tick in, in iPad apps being up for the first time since 2013. It's interesting Although that the iPad seems to be coming into its own in the work-from-home environment. Or the school yeah, so home, what you- maybe
3: the only the only thing I know uh, from Mac stories was that year on year the ipad revenue was down by
1: 10% mm, revenues are I'm not sure how much to read into revenue necessarily because that sort of depends on where they are in the release cycle and stuff so if the yeah. app updates are going up yeah. that definitely implies ipads are getting more heavily used in these times and i think that's probably homeschooling rather than home working
2: i don't know bart i I'm I'm starting to wonder uh, because our company has been talking about everybody working at home. And if if your iPad can connect to a corporate system, if you have – if your company has one, then that that to me is the biggest barrier for an iPad because really I think most people are are doing things um, in a spreadsheet, in a word processor. Um, and you know, arguably in a presentation program, but probably not right now because there's nobody to present to. So, why wouldn't an iPad and a Bluetooth keyboard of some kind, not necessarily Apple's, I mean, mm. there are plenty of great ones out there. But you know, if that's where you're living your your work life, gee, you know, the, the iPad could be more than sufficient. I mean, because let's face it, none of us you if if you're working working in Excel, nobody uses 80% of what Excel can do. They, they, they <laughs> use a limited subset. And, and, the, and the same thing for, for Word or, for that matter, Pages. Um, so I, I sometimes wonder about this. It's not the big, beautiful screen. I get that. And multitasking is not quite as effective. Um, and that, that, to me, would be another one of the biggest downsides, is not being able to do the multitasking real easily. But... I, I think that the iPad may be being undersold a little bit at this point for a bus- as a business machine during the COVID crisis. Do
1: you know, that's a really good point, Chuck. I retract what I said earlier. I am a complete, total and utter screen real estate fiend, but I'm a sysadmin and a programmer. I'm not normal. I should stop thinking that I am. <laughs> it depends
4: well, on the, of course, it depends on the company you're working for, doesn't it? I mean, the company I yeah. used to work for, it was all um, uh, uh, virtual machines anyway, so um, it didn't really matter whether you used a Mac or... A, uh, an iPad would be challenging, I think, but I know people in the company who did use iPads.
1: But now when you have pointer be a fairly small number. the fact that we now have uh, mouse support, does that change things to, to, to what you were describing? No, I don't think... Not for the vast majority of people, I don't think. No. I, I mean, maybe
4: in America more
1: I, I, no, I think don't of it, know, If you're using you, Citrix hey, or something, right? They're virtual. You're connecting to a virtual appliance. It was difficult on the iPad because you had to use your stubby finger on a Windows interface. But if your iPad now has a mouse, then certainly that Citrix session becomes a lot more usable on the iPad. Maybe
4: I, I, I tend to think I'd go with what you first said, and I think it's probably it's more much more kids using them and. If all your kids are at home and you've only got one iPad and they all need to be doing schoolwork, (laughs) um, then perhaps you need to buy more iPads. Um,
1: I definitely know that iPads have been used heavily for teaching from home. But I think maybe Chuck is right that it's also being used heavily for working from home. And maybe I'm not giving that enough credit.
4: Maybe so. I mean, particularly for smaller companies, I I think larger companies tend to have the same sort of setup as the company I work for did. And uh, a few people have yeah. iPads uh, or or Macs if they're they're developers of some sort but the vast majority would use PCs yeah. so or or have a Mac and you know log in remotely and do it that way
2: yeah but just what you said I I I think the the real key comes down to uh, who are you and who do you work for and what are you doing.
1: Mm. Yeah, because a lot of people, especially if you're higher up and you're in a more management role, your job is basically meetings, and if you're on Teams yes. or Zoom or whatever platform you're using, well, it's probably actually easier to do that on an iPad than it is to do that on a PC or a Mac. So if you spend your whole day sitting in meetings, that actually then an iPad is probably an ideal device. Wander around the house with it, does you know? because you're stuck in means. It's much easier to wander in the house with an iPad than a laptop. Yes. And of course, iOS does VPNs and all that kind of stuff without any problem whatsoever. Um, so from the point of view of security connecting to corporate networks to do your stuff, the iPad is no problem there. Uh,
2: hmm. And there's a lot less maintenance for iOS than there is even even for the Mac OS, let alone the that other platform.
1: That's also a really good point from an IT security point of view, from a mobile device management point of view. Corporate IT might be much happier if more people were using um, iOS than Windows. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Some other stuff that I think might be related to Apple not doing, having a terrible quarter everyone expected them to... Um the first sort of thing that caught my eye is that while Apple managed to sell a decent amount of iPhones the whole worldwide market actually dropped by 13%. So for Apple to have decent earnings in a quarter where the rest of the world has a dropped by 13% is is interesting. Uh and the Chinese phone market seems to be rebounding pretty well with 2.5 million phones shipped in March. And Apple seems to be doing really well in India. Apparently, they're completely dominant in the premium or the ultra premium smartphone market in India. And their Q1 iPhone sales shipments were up 80% in India, apparently. Like, that's really counter to the trend. Anyway, I'm going to be interesting to see what the next quarter is like. It will indeed. So I'm going to move us on into our second last story here, which is that the Magic Keyboards have gone from being something we could read about to something reviewers could get in their hands. None of us have had these in our hands, uh, but they are out. Um the general sort of consensus seems to be that from a hardware point of view, they are amazingly sturdy and solid um, with people doing bizarre things like holding them upside down to prove how solid the connection is. And are sort of doing it on any other keyboard I've ever seen for an iPad, that would just wouldn't work. I don't think I'd do that with a Surface. Uh, so these things are apparently extremely robust. Uh, when you put them in an angle, they stay in an angle. They don't wobble. They're extremely physically robust. Uh, apparently, the ergonomics on the keyboard are extremely good. They're basically equivalent to the new keyboards on the sixteen-inch uh, MacBook Pros or the thirteen-inch MacBook Airs. So the the, the not sucky butterfly keyboards. Um, and apparently, they are not light. So that uh, that robustness of design comes at the price of weight where it's actually heavier to have this thing with the keyboard than it is to have a MacBook Air. But of course, a MacBook Air, you can't detach the keyboard, whereas with an iPad Pro plus a keyboard, you can detach the keyboard. And on the whole, the impression I'm getting from reading reviews is that people are happy with them and that they're going over well. And I've heard people say that it's a game changer uh, that it really brings the iPad into a whole new area of not just being tolerable, but being really useful with a keyboard and mouse or a keyboard and trackpad. So I'm wondering if people have, have any further thoughts. I think the, um,
4: so yes, I've heard similar things from people who use them, that they're actually really happy with them, that they work very well. Uh, and that it, for them it does transform their usage um i think basically for the people who really want a hybrid device um they want they want to be able to use mac like stuff and um uh, ipad like stuff uh, together on the same device they're really really happy with it i i won't be buying one for myself because i don't use my ipad that way and i don't intend to
1: yeah ditto I, again my screen my screen real estate fetish um what I, yeah, I think the big thing is accurate text input seems to be what the game changer is. I think it was John Gruber described that. And, you know, using a keyboard on a Mac to do text editing was like trying to it was a type while wearing gloves. Like you, you couldn't yeah. accurately position the cursor and select things and so forth. But now with the trackpad support and this keyboard, you absolutely can do as good a text editing as you can on a Mac, which which is a huge change to where we stood before
2: and and i think you know i i hate to say this but because it depends on your use case but i do think a keyboard of any kind definitely expands the 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 capabilities of an ipad i mean i have i have an uh, an ipad mini that i've had for a long time and I, I, I loved it and I and I used it regularly, but I but only for certain things. And then when I got a bridge keyboard for the iPad Mini, um, it it changed the game. It it now it it became a device that I could use for more things and and use so you know productively. It's not a full size keyboard because of the very nature of the size of the Mini. Mm. but that, that that was sort of my lesson here that anytime you take a key, an ipad an iPad's a great device, and maybe everybody on this panel is just a little too old when you when you watch the kids you know work with virtual keyboards uh maybe you know we're just that's we're being left behind or we haven't developed those skills but a keyboard to me, nonetheless. And Bart, to your point, it also it it also gives me back some of my screen real estate.
1: Oh, of course, because the keyboard is out of the way. So, right. Yes, sorry. That's yeah, a really pretty, really good I'd point. Actually, yes. Yeah.
2: So you know that that's why I think you know this this keyboard may be outstanding. I have not touched one. I'm looking forward to touching one. But any keyboard, I mean, even if it's you know a, a third party. Uh, knock off Bluetooth. As long as it is responsive, I think it adds adds to the iPad experience. Scratch that. The iPad productivity experience.
1: Yeah. No, very good point, Chuck. Um, can't
4: disagree with um, that. So, the only other thing, my only other comment about it is is it worth $300 plus? I think
1: that really depends on who you are and what you do, doesn't it? Uh, yeah.
4: I, I suppose it does. And, 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 uh, money is always very subjective, anyway. Um, it, 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 we know it's Apple, and we know they're going to charge a reasonable amount for it. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it does. It really depends on how transformative it is for you.
1: And from what I, from what I, I, something, a point John Gruber made was that it's a lot of money, but it's a really well-engineered device, and he doesn't believe anyone is going to sell an equally robust and well-built device at a cheaper price, but there will definitely be cheaper keyboard-trackpad combos now that the APIs support anyone having right. a keyboard-trackpad combo. Yeah. And I guess that really plays into because if you're someone who needs this every now and then, then the stuff from Logitech, which is also pretty interesting looking, and that is also they're releasing products at the moment. Well, that if you only use it every now and then, that's probably a better choice for you. But if you're if you're gonna be doing this day in, day out, maybe you really do get enough value out of the quality of the build of of Apple Solution.
4: Yeah, good point.
1: Okay. Um let's move on to the funnest story. We've saved it for the end. Um we have a new iPhone. Um it is not a new name. And uh, Apple have just basically went, yeah, iPhone SE. We have a new one of those. It's called the iPhone SE. Confusing? Yeah. Um, it it follows the same model as before. You take an old outside and you give it extremely shiny new insides. In this case, the old outside is the iPhone 8's outsides, and the new insides are the iPhone 11's insides. It's an A13 chip. And it... Well, it's an extremely powerful and extremely future-proof device in a familiar form factor. So it's still Touch ID based rather than Face ID based. And it's obviously LED rather than OLED, but it has those extremely powerful brains. It's still the same single lens camera. But strangely, because of the brains, the camera gives better pictures, not because the hardware is better, because it isn't, but because the digital signal processing that the A13 can do is so much better than anything the iPhone 8 could ever do. So there's a whole bunch of interesting side-by-side comparisons showing that the camera is actually better, even though the hardware is exactly the same. And Halide have a great uh, blog post describing how they're actually using machine learning to do the depth map because this thing doesn't have enough focus pixels to do the trick that I think was the 10 orange used that trick. Um, so it's kind of a fascinating device. And iFixit have obviously taken the whole thing apart because that's what iFixit do. And there's a whole bunch of parts that are just completely interchangeable with the iPhone 8. But again, because you have this better processor, it has a longer battery life, even though it has the same battery. And uh, one point that everyone seems to be pointing out is that the cheapest iPhone has a more powerful processor than the most expensive Android phone. That is shocking to me. Um, On the whole, reviews have been positive, with one exception. People who want small iPhones are cranky as all hell because this is bigger than the old iPhone SE. That seems to be the only downside I have found is people say, I want a small form factor that has all of the power of a modern phone, these people have not studied physics. They don't know. They're asking for a unicorn, but they really do want their unicorn. <laughs> so what do people think?
3: I, I think I'm, I'm not surprised that it's received, um, you know, pretty much a standing ovation. Um, I mean, the fact that they introduced it at a pretty knock-down price for Apple of three nine nine. Hmm. Um, obviously makes it a killer, you know, a killer device. You, you're getting pretty much uh, most of an iPhone 11 for,
1: what, half the price? Um, yeah. And it's future-proof, right? If you buy last year's model, it's nowhere near as future-proof as this. Or if you even go for the two-year-old model as a refurb, it's nowhere near as future-proof as this. And you'll spend at least as much money, if not more, getting older tech. So if I was the yeah. kind of person who only changed my phone every five years, well, this, is, this is what I'd want. You know,
3: and also, um, as you've got on the next, uh, another story there, they also knocked $50 off the AppleCare uh, price. Yeah. So, so it's now only $80 instead of, uh, what was it before? It was 150 hundred and fifty, hundred forty $140, something.
1: Was it 129 and now it's 79 something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's
3: Uh, $50 off anyway, $79 for cover now. And you can, and of course, uh, you know, as long as your credit history is decent, you can get the iPhone SE on a 0% APR finance over two years from Apple and buy your Apple Care monthly as well. So if you're on a budget, you can really spread that out.
1: And I think this is going to be the phone a lot of carriers are going to make available cheap as well.
3: And, you know, we we very much, when we talked about it, we very much saw it as, um, you know, being targeted not only at budget conscious users, but very much as a way to get new users into the Apple um ecosphere because if you have previously been looking at an iphone and thinking i would really like to uh, try one of those or whatever but i just can't justify 800 to a thousand pounds uh, um (laughs) 400 pounds is is well down in the bracket of a mid-range android yeah so you know, that that really does make it a, a big liwa for new users, um, for emerging markets, for places like India. And um, and also, of course, it makes it an ideal phone for people who, who've who got teenagers who are bugging them for an iPhone, but they've not been prepared to shell out, you know, the best part of a grand. Yeah, and you can't even say, oh, go phone. out and
1: get a job and buy it yourself at the moment.
3: <laughs> no, exactly. Um
4: can I just have a little rant?
3: Yes. Um, Go on.
4: So my little my little rant is not about the phone itself, uh, which um, I think is is cool. It's cool technology, but I have heard a number of podcasts and a number of people talking about this, who've said it's a cheap phone, <laughs> and I don't think it no, is a cheap phone. Cheap. I think it's significantly cheaper and for, and and for uh, value for money. You can't go wrong. It's a really good piece of kit and it's well priced, but it's not cheap. Yeah, so
1: there's a difference just, between value and game. price, and I really wish more people would understand that.
4: Yes, yeah. It's really good uh, value and it and and, it, and it's I mean, in all honesty, it's it's priced incredibly well. But it's yeah. It's I just cheap. I just don't yeah, want to. Yeah, it's, and it's cheaper, I, definitely cheaper. I,
3: I think those of us who live in the, you know, in the Apple world, it, it it's we're on the curve. cheap. Yes, it's, it's
2: relatively
3: definitely. cheap. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> money is relative. But you know, when you've got used to uh, seeing a new phone come out and then kind of squinting through one eye to look at the price uh, before the you suck sucking the <laughs> air between in your teeth um it feels positively you know it seems positively bargain um but it, no it's not cheap it's not cheap i think but i think it's, it's oh sorry Gads, go
0: on that's good um y- yeah i've not been jumping in because uh, uh if that doesn't have to jump in my mic keeps dropping out so i've been on this call but i think one apple users and i say apple not just iphone users uh, get to understand that few years with their devices is word and total cost of ownership that you yeah. soon see once you've been an Apple user for a few years.
1: Yeah, it, it, what's interesting? So imagine you're someone who doesn't buy phones very often, and you want a decent phone that's going to last you a while, and so you're looking at Android phones versus this iPhone SE. So you're looking at the iPhone SE and you can see that you're going to have many, many years of future-proofing. You're going to keep getting security updates from Apple for a long time to come. And actually, performance-wise, this thing is its better than high-end Android phones in terms of performance, so it's obviously way better than cheap Android phones. And then you look at the Android and the build quality is inferior for anything in the same price range, and it's not going to last as long. It's not going to keep getting security updates, so you can buy an Android phone at the same price range, but it won't last you half as long. So this is actually a really easy sell, I think, to people who make decisions not on emotion, not on a love of one platform or another, but who just are making cold, hard fiscal calculations. I think this phone stacks up. This is a genuine yeah. value-for-money proposition.
4: I can, I can certainly say businesses thinking... Uh, okay, we've been buying over iPhone tens and iPhone elevens, um, uh, or, or even as far back as sixes and seven and sevens, uh, and that this is you know for this price they're going to go for this easily over the others.
2: Well, and the other thing that I, I, I like about this, and I, I this I detest the idea of Apple making a low-end phone, but this is just one more time. Okay, they've dropped it down a little bit you know, gets a little more affordable and it does not compromise the iPhone experience. Yes. And, both and it, that's yeah. that's that's the big key. I mean, because you listen, you can go and buy, you know, a $20 phone at, you know, at, at least here in the States, you know, at the drugstore, you know, a, a burner of some kind. And yeah, it works and you can, I can make calls on it and maybe even do a little bit of surfing or, or texting. But the experience is horrendous. And,
1: and you're so probably if, if putting I'm, yourself at great money, security risk.
2: Well, yeah, they're, yeah, that goes kind of with that thing. Minor saying. thing, but yeah, you
1: mentioned that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I,
2: I did, in spite of the fact that that's why people buy them is to burn them. But, you know, it, it just I, – I, I love the fact that Apple refuses to make significant compromises on the overall experience. I think that's one of its big strengths, and this is just one more time that they have demonstrated that commitment to the platform and to the experience.
1: Well said. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I was just about to say, well said, Chuck. I thought that's very,
2: very, very year
4: appetite.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to draw a line under it because I can't do any better than that as a summary. So thank you, Chuck. Um, before we round out the show, a few other quick stories that made the news that I just want to draw your attention to. Um, Apple Card's base APR has been lowered by 2% for some users. Apple have updated clips. With trackpad support on the iPad and the ability to duplicate and split tracks, which I'm sure is very useful. There are new home kit accessories, as well as new bike mount kits available on Apple's website. The uh, App Store, Apple Arcade and Apple Music are now available in a whole bunch more countries. 52 countries got new services in total. Uh, Apple have released a new works with Apple health badge developers can use. And I personally absolutely adore that because I don't want a health app that doesn't write its data into Apple health. And it's going to be so much nicer just to be able to see that badge. It's definitely nice. Samsung have added Apple Music to their smart TVs. Porsche have added a new CarPlay head unit designed for classic Porsches. So it looks old, but it's shiny modern tech. Uh, Little Wayne is getting his own Apple Music Beats 1 show starting on April 24th. So he has his own show now as we record this. And finally, Germans can have a shiny new Siri voice on their iDevices. So that's everything I have on my list. Um, Unless the panel have anything else they want to chime in with, I think we can draw a line under the April Apple News.
3: Good
1: job. I think that's pretty much. Okay, then. In that case, I would like to thank you all very much for helping me draw a line under April's Apple News. In no particular order. Uh, Let me see. Simon, uh, where, where can people find more about you? And do you want to give a, a quick pitch for the Essential Apple Podcast?
3: Uh, well, the best way to find me personally is uh, on the Twitter as uh, uh, at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, and the show is Essential Apple Podcast, which you can find in all the usual places or at essentialapple.com or mymac.com.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Nick, do you want to chime in there and let people know where they can find more of you?
4: Yeah, you can find me occasionally on Twitter. That's uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. I'm also over on Essential Apple uh, from time to time. It's uh, clashing a little bit with a family thing at the moment, so uh, you might not have heard me of late, but I will be
1: back. Oh, good, Uh, good, good. Uh, Gaz, do you want to try your, um, just to say to the listeners, Gaz has been abnormally quiet because he's having some hardware mic issues. Apparently, what were you saying, Gaz? Like a decade or so of hard use. Has... <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you at the moment, so speak quickly. Okay, well, okay. quick thing. Yeah, this road
0: Podcaster, I've had it for over 10 years and been using it. It's either out, I've worn it out or I've worn it out. Speaking of Guy, that's where you can generally find me with Guy over uh, which we do a weekly irrelevant look at everything apple i like using that
1: so i'm just going to repeat that for the listeners it's an irreverent look and it's over at the at my thank you guys chuck would you like to let the good listeners know where they can see and hear more of your work
2: Sure. Um, Come on over to MacVoices.com. I've changed the production just a little bit, so now the shows are – the longer shows get split into two. The shorter shows stay the way they are, so they're a little easier to consume if you have a daily podcasting diet. Um, So check out everything we talk about at MacVoices.com. Excellent. And Bart was there. Check Check out what Bart looks like.
1: Yeah, and because you could because of your new um, small bite sized pieces approach, you get to see me twice, even though I only recorded with you once.
2: Yeah, it, w- it works out well. And he and he was dashing. No kidding, he was. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me, Bart.
1: No, absolute pleasure. So, folks, you will find detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that informed my thinking on this month's Apple News at Let's Dash Talk. I e while you're perusing those rather lengthy show notes, um, you may notice that there is a section in the sidebar called Support the Show, which has some big blue buttons in it. I want to thank everyone who has ever pressed those buttons to support the show financially. I really appreciate it. This show is 100% listener supported. There are no corporate sponsors. There are no advertisers, which is an intentional choice of mine. I want to be free to... Have everyone know that my opinions are, are my own and there is no influence, and you guys make that possible, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, you, can also, you can support the show in practical ways becoming a patron, you pledge a specific dollar amount for every show published. There will be exactly two shows every month one Apple, one photography. So if you would like to give me $2 a month, pledge one. If you'd like to give me $5 a month, press uh, 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 pledge 250. You get the idea. There's also a PayPal button, which is a very efficient way of making one-off larger donations. Basically, the way PayPal fees work is PayPal is a terribly inefficient way to spend a small amount of money. So if you were to try to use PayPal to send them $1 a month, I think I actually get 29 cents out of that dollar and PayPal get all the rest. Whereas with Patreon, it's actually an efficient way to send small dollar amounts. But if instead you want to throw me, you know, five bucks once a year, well, PayPal's great for that. Um, And then there are more practical ways, if you are the kind of person who needs to register domains, there's an affiliate code for hover.com, who are my domain registrar of choice, and there's also an affiliate code for people who need Linux virtual machines and cool stuff like that over at DigitalOcean, which is what's holding up letslashtalk.ie. So you can find the affiliate code there for that. And then there's loads of ways you can help this show that don't involve any money whatsoever just simply reviewing it on your podcatcher of choice is extremely valuable tweeting about it just telling other human beings about it although I guess you need to do that digitally these days not in person um, but just spread the word it is all extremely helpful and extremely appreciated so again thank you to everyone who has supported the show in any way and you can find the show notes at let's-talk.ie I've been your host Bart Bushots, you can find me at bartb.ie and until next month happy computing
0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, everyone. This is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big yank tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. <laughs> well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for mymac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that, and we'll be all right.